Well, good morning. Glad you guys are here. I am not wearing black because I am mourning. I'm wearing black because it's supposed to be slimming. Yes, another full-figured male understanding me. And I say slimming because I went from uh, high expectations to yesterday uh, emotionally eating. Mm. My personal trainer over here just gave me the look. I was a little frustrated, so I ate. It soothed me. Made me feel better. Soothed me until I saw you this morning. Okay. So, uh, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in Philippians two one through eleven, and then we're going to be in First Corinthians uh, talking about communion uh, a little bit uh, this morning. And uh, in in my in my demise of having to struggle emotionally yesterday, I think about Matt, our new worship guy, and he was very excited because he's a graduate of Florida State University. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Gave you your little kudos. There it is. Uh, if you have your Bibles with me, uh, we'll start out in uh, Philippians 2.1, and we'll go through 11, and then um, we'll jump into some of the outline that you have there. You can follow along with me with that. All right, Philippians 2.1 through 11. If there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? <clears throat> then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. If not already, if you aren't under conviction under just what he says that we're supposed to be and have and all, all the things that he just says there in the first couple of verses, then he goes ahead and says this. Verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for... Your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So not only does he go ahead and lay it out there with a little conviction in the first, then, then he calls, uh, calls us into what I call a sucker punch and says, hey, look, by the way, just look what Jesus did, right? So here's, that's where we kind of say, okay, here's what Jesus had to do, and this is what his God is something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being when, it, when he appeared in the human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this morning, we're continuing in a series at our church uh, about, uh, about how, really it's basically this, that we're, we're putting in a, in a four-part uh, series our membership class. And then next month, we'll offer that membership class to you guys so you can get some more details about that. But last week was Connect. This week is Serve. Won't give you the next two. You'll have to come back find out what those are. But this one's about serving. In fact, I preached on this about five weeks ago. And honestly, we had an incredible amount of people that said, hey, you know what? I need to do that. I need to be involved. I need to jump in. And so I just took that, 
message and put it back in here uh, for this week because um, the truth is, is that as the church grows, you need more people to do things. But you also want to understand the motive behind that. And you guys have heard me say this before, but it's amazing that we want to, as a church, we want to provide for you and have you find out what your calling and your gifting is. Because if you're really not working in your gift set or a calling that it seems like the Lord's impressed upon you, then the last place we want to do is stick you in some, some position in here that isn't helping you, but it's also not helping our church. So if you really don't like kids, by all means, let's stick you back there in the back where the kids know you don't like them right? Because that makes them feel good. And then let's let parents who are dropping them off realize that, oh, he doesn't like my kid either. Right? That's, I mean, you see how that works? So we want to find our gift and our calling to what God says is, hey, this is what, what you kind of fit in doing. And by the way, what's cool about the body of Christ is it's not just the person in our church of leadership that, that can teach a, a small group on the doctrine and the theology of the faith. It's not just that person that's important in this church that's able to do that small group. It's also the person that's out there in the parking lot with the cones trying to help you guys find a good parking spot because the body works together. And then every once in a while, this is, really, this is when we're really living on the edge at our church, we have the same person that can actually do the doctrine and the theology, but they like hanging out in the parking lot and putting the cones up. That's funny. Y'all don't know Rhett, our parking lot guy? Okay, if you know Rhett, then you'll laugh harder. You see, every part is important here. Every aspect of what we do in the church is important, and no job or no place is more important or less important than the other because it's part of the body. And so the Lord tells us to look at our gifts and see how those gifts can be used to what? To his glory. And then he kind of puts it in, I mean, the perspective that he gives us is incredible because it's not only this Jesus who performed miracles. Because, and I, I take some liberty. I don't mind telling you guys this, that I, sometimes I take some liberty in my opinion and it's just my opinion, but sometimes my imagination goes wild, and I'm a little bit um, on, on, especially in the days where I was younger and thinner and had hair and all those kind of things. There's a little bit of side of me that was there was confident side. Then there was that edge that wasn't necessarily Holy Spirit led that that I lived in quite a bit called cocky side, right? And so there's this fight that goes on sometimes between those two. And, and usually the Lord was, I mean, thank goodness he was able to put coaches and people and dads and moms and parents and teachers and other people in my life that helped me with the cocky side to understand, hey, here's what being humble is about. And at one point in my life, it was, it was very evident because something that I thought I was in, in, in one afternoon on a misty day, kind of like the last couple of days, uh, he just said, hey, you think you really like football? Watch what I can do with your left knee. And I tore all the ligaments in my left knee. So God has a way of kind of getting us back and tapping us into shape when we're really his and, and looking at that. And, and you guys, I, I really got to the place where, you know, I, hey, how do I, how do I serve? How do I be what God wants me to be and, and do the things he wants me to do and really follow him and, and find out what his, 
his calling for me is and, and where my gift set is and what that looks like. And quite honestly, it's amazing how the Lord puts people and places in our life at the right time to help us understand those things. So as a church, our desire is to help you to find your gifts and your callings and then, and then to implement that in your life so that you can allow for God to, to use that to his glory. So he gives us this kind of description through Philippians and he, and he really talks about serving others. And, and one of the things that you'll find out in our church when you go through membership here is that, <clears throat> that we really believe that if you're going to be a member here, that one of the things that goes right along with that is that you serve. And so everybody will find a place of service if you go through our membership class. Hey, what, what's your interest? What do you like? Hey, if you don't know that as a church, we want to help you find that out so that you can become part of the church and part of the body to serve. Because we see that in Jesus. And, and so where I was going a while ago with Jesus was interesting because he, he really, I mean, he, he performed miracles, right? That's a pretty big deal. And he could gather crowds. And he had people that followed him. I'm just telling you all, my personality is going like, hey, I kind of like that. I can perform miracles. People follow me. People say I'm a king. That's all some pretty good stuff, right? But then he brings us to this next part, and it's, it's amazing to me. And, and uh, let me just give you those two first things real quick. If you're a follower of Christ, you should humble yourself. And then if you're a follower of Christ, you should indeed be a servant, verses 4 through 7. And let me clarify that real quickly because one of the things that I want you to see in this is that um, that next fill in the blank is that Christ shows us when what it means to be humble yourself is, is that you become a servant even to the act on the what? The cross. Now this is, this is kind of what I, what I call in the good south, if you got a goat to get, this is where it got goat, got getting, here it is. We sometimes grow up in, in, in the freedoms of America and the religion that anything you want to pick. And you can get to this point right here. And you can look at Jesus and all the things he performed. And again, some of the things that I kind of talked about a while ago. What, man, performing miracles and having people follow you and being able to kind of tell people what to do and they would do it. It's a pretty unique aspect. And and then you get to a little place where you say, well, okay, Jesus was, I mean, you see him because he, he was humble. And, and we go like, hey, we're going to be like Jesus, so we want to be humble. And then we want to see what this being a servant is like. And, and really the greatest thing I can see that he was being a servant, I mean, he really, he really cared about people. And it was obvious the way that he cared about people. And then he kind of, you know, got, got his disciples together. And I thought this was a pretty humbling experience and, and uh, is that he, that he washed their feet. You're like, okay. I mean, th just think about that for a minute, just husbands and wives. You know, I, I kind of talked about this with Elizabeth. I thought, okay, honey, you're going to wash, you want to wash my feet? All right. That's kind of cool. Right? But then, but then if, if I were to say, hey, can I wash your feet? She'd go like, what do you want? <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to do? Because washing, I mean, Think about right now physically washing someone's for It's not right an attractive part of the body. Sometimes that's a little smelly, gross, you know. They're usually, I mean, you got, you know, some of those 
like those second toes are sometimes longer than the big toe. That looks a little awkward. You got that little last toe, and it's kind of curved up under there, and that's kind of a weird-looking, scrunched-in type of deal. Some of us have a little problem with making sure that our toenails are clipped, so those are looking a little kind of hairy, crazy. Obviously, this is not going toward the girls right now. If that's your problem, you know, go get a mani-pedi or whatever y'all do. (laughs) Washing the feet is kind of a humble thing to do. And Jesus did this for his leaders, right? But, I mean, you could see, okay, I can, you, you kind of bite the bullet. I can do something for somebody like that. That's pretty humbling. But then he puts this on us. He puts the cross on us. And here's where I want to go with understanding this about the cross very quickly. You guys, the Bible tells us that there's, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through his son, Jesus. Jesus was saying, I'm the what? I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but what? But by me, Jesus. He says, I'm the only way. Now, I know other religions say, hey, there's another different way. There, there's what that... Christianity tells us and and the Bible tells us that there's only one way. And that way had to be through the cross. So one of the things that we really see with Jesus when he says, hey, I'm a servant, is it's not just a servant who would wash somebody's feet and heal somebody and walk around doing miracles. There's a person that said, you know what? There's a greater purpose than me because I, I kind of look at Jesus and I always, particularly as a young kid, I wanted Jesus to be the zapping Jesus. I wanted him to be able to zap people when he didn't get his way or do what he wanted to do. I wanted him to have that authority because he was God, right? He was God. So, hey, I don't like what you're doing. Zzz, done. Hey, here's that miracle. Took care of it. Here's this. Zap. Done. But the interesting thing about Jesus is he had a greater purpose, and that that purpose was from his father. And that purpose had to be carried out. So here's one of the unique things that I find about Jesus, is there's a word that, that's used to describe Jesus, and then he says these people will also inherit the earth. He, Jesus was described as meek. And he says the meek will inherit the earth. Well, just from the get-go in our translation and what we think, we think meek and weak go together. But the actual word meek means this, power under control power under control and that is a great description of Jesus who could have zapped anybody at any time because he was God but he was in the human form as us letting us know I have emotions I have feelings I have pain I can feel everything you feel so that you know that this is real and he had power under control And he says, that's what we're to be like. And so what he did is he showed us that. He not only told us that, then he showed us that by going to the cross and again allowing for us to have fellowship that was broken at the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve in sin. He showed us that this can once again have fellowship with our Father through this relationship with him. So this morning, in just a second, when we talk about the cross and then we reflect through having the Lord's Supper. I want you to know that that reflection has to go back to one question for each one of us this morning. If something were to happen to you between right now and tomorrow, 
would you know that you would be in heaven with God the Father? There's only one way to him, and that's through the relationship with his son, Jesus. And so when I asked that question, I don't care if it was camp, I don't care if it was in your mom and dad's bedroom, I don't care if it was at, at Young Life camp, I don't care if it was at Canica camp, I don't care if it was vacation Bible school, I don't care where it was, but at some point in time, you have to answer the question, do you really have this encounter, this relationship with Jesus? And if you question that and you wonder, it's okay to do that. But listen, you need to find the answer. And the, the answer is found in the scripture. And the answer can be handled uh, in, a, in a sweet, loving, caring, honest way about here's what the Bible says about that condition. And that's what we're here as a staff and a church for is to help you understand that condition. But let me tell you this, that lit, literally you need to Find out for sure where you are in your relationship with Christ. Because when we take communion in a moment, the self-examination has to be one that you truly say, I am a follower of Christ. And if not, you're just doing a religious duty. You're just checking off a list. Hey, this is what I do. So this morning, as we go through the rest of the service, I just ask you, if that's a question in your heart, if that's a wondering question with you, I'm not sure, Jonathan, then let us help you to look at Scripture and to be confident of that relationship that you have with Him. It's that important. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, and we'll go through several verses here, it says this, For I pass on to you what I've received from the Lord Himself. On the night when He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance to me. Drink it. For every time you eat the bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So if anyone eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy, unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28, this is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. This is why many of you are weak and sick and have even died. But if you would examine yourself, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Verse 16, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing his blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? In verse, uh, this is ten seventeen. And though we are many, we all eat in one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. There's four things I want to share with you real quick. This is in your notes, so you can follow along with me in that. Four things I want to share with you uh, about that. The first one is, this is out of verse 26, is that we look back. So this morning when you take the Lord's Supper, it's not just, hey, I'm coming up there. We got the checklist. I'm going off. Did it. It's this, we look back. I want you to reflect back this morning to that place that I referred to a while ago, your place of salvation, wherever that was, whoever led you to the Lord or talked to you or shared with you or showed you the scripture. 
wherever that was, remember that. Because we look back and we have a place that you can say, this is where it happened for me. This is where that encounter with Christ changed and transformed my life forever. Not that you're made complete, not that we don't keep growing, not that we got it all right then, that we understood it all right then, but it was effectively the place where you said, that's the beginning point for me and my relationship with Christ. And that's what we do at the cross is we look back at that and we say, that's where it happened. You proclaim the Lord's death at that point. And you're reminded of his sacrifice and what he did for me and what he did for you. And that's the place of the cross. The second thing is we look within. And in verse 28 says this, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and he drinks of the cup. Listen, you guys, what he's telling us about that this morning is before you come up here and you, you take of the the juice and you take of the bread. He's saying this to us. Man, if you've got a problem with sin, if you've got something that's in your heart that's not right with him, then you need to get that right before we do this in front of the body, before you do this before God, because it's a self-examination time. And he puts it that way for us for a reason, because he wants us to understand that he is holy. So if we've got a problem with somebody that's sitting over on this side of the room with somebody on this side of the room, that needs to be made right with the Lord. If you've got a problem with, with somebody at work, you've got a problem with your husband, your wife, a friend. If you've been involved in some gossip and you shouldn't have been. If you've been involved in saying something about a coach that you might not should have said. Or a person. Then he says, you make that right because I am holy. And you're reflecting on the cross. And by the way, I gave my son for that sin that you're taking lightly. So he says to look within, to examine ourselves. And this morning you're going to have a, a time when the band comes up in a minute. You're going to have a time to reflect on that and say, hey, Lord, is there anything is there anything that's keeping me from, from really being open with you or being open with other people about this relationship with you? Is there, is there somebody I've wronged? Is there something I've done? You got to make that right with the Lord. You have to make it right with him. That's not easy. And if he tells you you got to make it right with somebody else, you got to make it right with someone else too. And believe me, he'll tell you if you're supposed to. Sometimes it's a simple confession. And I call it this way, a it's a private sin, it's a private confession. It's a public sin, it's a public confession. Just make it right with him. He says to look within. The next thing he says is this, because you look around, Verse. Uh, this is 1017 out of 1 Corinthians. Because there is one loaf, we are many, we are one body, we all partake of one loaf. What's cool about the body of Christ is that this morning, in just a few minutes, you'll be able to see that will respond to coming and taking communion. And when you come and take communion, you're looking at people and you're going like, hey, they're a follower of Christ like me. We're a body. Because when we go out there to the college campus or we go out here to the workplace, <laughs> we just seem like another number. But it's encouraging to know that you have followers of Christ that are sprinkled all throughout your life that are there to help and encourage and challenge and hold accountable to as well. It says this, that we look around us, we see that. 
Hey, at this part, I'm going to ask our elders and, and the band to come up so y'all can get ready. And I'm going to give you this last one here. It's pretty interesting. By the way, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one fails, the other one's there to help each other up. That's part of the body, right? That's part of what we do. And then here's the last one there. Proverbs 20, 17 says this, as, shir- as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The accountability of helping each other and seeing each other on campus, seeing each other at work, or seeing each other on Dixon Street. Hi, hi. How are you? Good. Just walking. Oh, awesome. We have accountability with that, right? And then what? He, then this is just beautiful. Look at in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. This is the last verse. It says, "We look ahead." The, the words there is until he comes. The, we look at the future. We're looking forward to the time when he will come again and we'll have communion with our creator. So this morning, there's one real question with this that I want to ask you. Are you looking forward to Jesus' coming back? Or is there a little bit of fear involved in that? Because what he tells us there is that until he comes, we look forward. Listen to this quote. This is a one of our modern-day faith guys that we, we kind of look to in the theological and doctrine world that's a pretty, pretty sharp guy named D.L. Moody. And he was asked this question. If you knew the Lord would return tonight, how would you spend the rest of the day? And Mr. Moody replied without hesitation, I wouldn't do anything different than I do every day. Hey, is, is that your answer today? Are you guys like me? There would... <laughs> I'd have to hesitate and go like, oh, hang on. Okay, honked at that dude this morning, even coming to church, because they made me mad. Got mad at my wife. Okay, my kid. Got to get that right. And D.L. Moody, without hesitation, I wouldn't do anything different than I do every day. Man, wouldn't that be incredible if we as a body could say that, that that's the way that we live our life like that man? That we would have our, our walk with the Lord would, would be in such a way that when something happens to us and we have sin in our life, that we would confess it immediately instead of kind of, I call it running and hiding, kind of keeping that away, going like, hey, maybe the Lord will forget about it. And then he brings it up in a church service. Oh, he reminded me. This morning when we take communion, now let me just simply say to you this way. That, that those four things that we talked about, we're, we're looking back at the cross and we're remembering that time. We're obviously looking within, asking the Lord to examine ourselves. We look around, we see the body, and we're encouraged by that. Say, hey, there's other people that are following Christ too. But then we look ahead to see what God wants to do with us. And so the way we do that at, at our church um, with communion is simply this. In a moment, we're going to allow for the band to play. And when you've kind of made peace with the Lord, when you've made what's right that you need to make right with the Lord, then you feel comfortable to respond, to come up, and to partake of the Lord's Supper. And the way we do that here is we just let you bake, break a piece of bread off um, of the loaf, and then you stick it in the juice, and then you can eat it, eat it right there.
You don't have to go back to your seat. You don't have to. If you're a family, you can gather around us and we'll let you take it as a family. If you're an individual, take it as an individual. If you need prayer, we'll, we'll stop right there and take time to pray for you. But our desire is through the response of the song and through you being reflective in just a few minutes that you'll be right there, that when you come up here, this isn't just a, hey, I did my holy card today and punched it. It's, Lord, I recognize what you did at the cross for me, the day of my salvation, and I want to respond, Lord, by taking the Lord's Supper, according to Scripture, in remembrance of him. All right? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you that, Lord, though we're all called to serve, that the greatest act of service that we have ever seen is you giving your life for us to have life. That's the greatest act of service. That's the greatest servant we've ever seen. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And we ask, Lord, right now, if there's anything that stands in the way of our relationship with you, that, Father, in the response of this song, that we would make it right with you, that we would confess it to you, and that, God, we'd be able to come and partake of communion in a way that reflects our love for you. God, would you bless the rest of our time as we take the Lord's Supper in remembrance of you. Amen.